Welcome back to Transformers Chronicles. In case you're new to the show, welcome, by the way. Let me tell you what this thing is all about. We are going for a wild, crazy ride, learning about the awesome, wacky, yeah, and sometimes corny world of the Transformers U.S. version. This podcast is absolutely guaranteed to be, you guessed it, more than meets the eye. But I'm not alone on this crusade. First up, we have the founder of the Longbox Crusade, the novice to the Transformers world, the seeker of the matrix of knowledge, Pat Sampson. Pat, welcome to the show. Glad to be on. Happy to be here. I'm, I'm not I'm sure what the matrix of the knowledge is. So that... Don't worry. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm interested. I'm I want to know more about this matrix you talk of. Should I take the red oh, pill or the blue pill? Pursuit of the matrix can oftentimes lead to bad consequences. I can tell you that. Mm. That's that's going to be a theme of the show. But I, I digress. I do have a question for you to start out because All right. I don't want you to be cold. Oh. I want you to be warm and, and, and just running like a, a smooth engine You know, when we get the show going. Sure. What are you doing, Pat, to transform your life at this present time? Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. What am I doing to transform my life? Well, currently, I am looking at trying to be a little more fit, uh, more more exercises needed in my life, a little more diet change. Being recently diagnosed as a type 1 diabetic, my life has definitely changed around. And so transforming it to fit that is what I'm working on. So that means diet exercise is taking over my life right now. So you're going to need a new source of fuel yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. See what I did there? Mm -hmm. No. Into the show? I'm very clever. <laughs> That's why your matrix. <laughs> I, I want to know more about, more about this matrix. Maybe it can help me in my, my vision quest here. It probably won't because you're not a robot. Uh -huh. But we can hold out hope. We can hold out hope. <laughs> Next up, we have our Transformers expert. 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 <laughs> the lesser half of the Married with Comics. Hi, Maggie. And the provider of the knowledge. Jonathan Schaefer Hames. John, talk to me, man. Hello, hello, hello. What are you doing to transform your life? Taking a cue from Pat, I decided to uh, go on my own health kick and I quit smoking, I think, between the recording of our first episode and now. And the way that I do that is by running constantly. So I'm also um, dropping a bit of weight as a consequence of that. Very cool. Nice, dude. Yeah. I'm glad that this show hasn't driven you to smoke. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it would have had I been a non smoker, but mm. since I was smoking, I guess the only option was to instead run up the hill behind my house. I, I got you. I got That's you. Pat, talking about red and blue pills in the Matrix, um, not to spoil anything, but think of it more along the lines of if instead of him beating up Agent Smith at the end, he instead would hold up a big lighted thing in the air and the song uh, The Touch by Stan oh, Rogers right. played, and uh, it was amazing. Now I, I see it. I see it now. You got the touch. <laughs> Down. Da -na -na -na. You got the power. <laughs> When all hell's breaking loose, you'll be right in the eye of the storm. You know, I think we could cut a better one than Stan Rogers, or at least better than Marky Mark. I'd like to hear an acoustic version of that. <laughs> Done! I think somewhere in some bar, 
somebody has played you got to touch acoustically. That's had to happen, right? I don't know. It can't always be American Pie. Yeah. What have we can't forget about you, man? What have you done to transform your life? Well, recently I got injections. There were steroids. I am looking to be a uh, 300 pound. No, not, not that. <laughs> um, I, I am hoping to get a little bit more out of my shoulder and out of my knee. So I got this platelet rich plasma. They draw your own blood. They, they spin it down in the plasma and they put it back into your knee. And I made that sound like it was some painless thing and it, was not well to be fair you didn't make it sound painless okay good i I thought i may have like i made it just i just glossed over it like oh no you said the words inject and knee in the same sentence there's nothing painless about that yeah yeah well it it, there's pain there's there's definitely pain and and i'm i'm about a week out from having those shots and i am learning to be patient and sitting there and i I can't play with my other jujitsu friends right now so i have to sit at home and it's it's terrible but it's for the greater good so hopefully i'm transforming uh, into something good like i'm picturing like you know a partially crippled caterpillar and i'm hoping to like emerge like a beautiful butterfly that's what i'm that's what i'm transforming or at least a handsome moth I'll go. I'll go with that. Are you going to make us do this every month? Because I don't know if I have it in me to do some sort of positive transformative event every single month. Yes, well, that's I'm doing the challenge, John. Yes, no, we're going okay. to transform you into being by episode eighty. We, we should all be like millionaire moguls, <laughs> <laughs> or at least be able to transform into a car. Literally, hey, one one or the other, one or the other. I, I, if you can transform into a car, that probably gets you on the road to being a millionaire. I'll, I'll work on that for issue twenty-one. What did you do this month? I turned into a car (laughs) an actual car and then i got arrested (laughs) you smoked i guess you would speed if you could without a license Mm. i was licensed i didn't have plates to drive yourself this is a whole nother can of worms. Yes. We shouldn't get into that. You know what? We're probably ready to start talking Transformers now. Are, yeah. are you guys ready? Yes. Let's yes. do it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, after our first promo uh, break. All right. Oh, Delvin. Okay. Sorry. Be right back. The Transformers will return after these messages. Hello, I'm Pat Sampson, and I would like to invite you to join me on my podcast, The Longbox Crusade. On this podcast, I'm reading through my 20-plus longboxes that I have stored away in my basement. On each episode, I will select a random issue from my collection and take a very highbrow, thoughtful approach to examining these truly American art forms that help to shape our popular culture. Oh, I like comics too. Uh, can I get a comic out of my longbox that syncs up with the month and year of the comic from your long box and chat about that too. Oh, oh, and video games. Can we talk about games? Or, or maybe James Bond too. I love James Bond. <sighs> Fine. Jared Elbrick, a.k.a. the Yard Sale Artist. We can add some of your comics and enthusiasm to the show. It might help get a deeper introspection of... Did someone say James Bond? I love James Bond. And I love comics too. I can bring a comic from my long box to sync up with you guys. I also love movies and music, even news stories that tie into the time period that match the comic books we review. Uh, This is what I get for inviting both the Albrecht brothers into my show. 
Jason, how the heck can we fit all that into my deeply intellectual review of... Well, you know what? Fine. Let's do it. Let's cram it all into one podcast. Join us on the Longbox Crusade, folks. We'll bounce around in time from issue to issue, pulled randomly from my Longboxes, and the Alpert Brothers will bring along issues with the same month and year cover date. We'll talk about the comics and the time period they come from, including... World news of that time. Top 40 music chart toppers. Movies, both good and bad. Maybe even some favorite recipes. Whatever I think is funny. We'll probably have to suffer through things that Jared thinks are funny. We'll jam it all into one pop culture extravaganza examining the comics in my longbox and the time period surrounding them. Join us for a wild ride through time on the Longbox Crusade podcast as we attempt to read them all. What's in your longbox? We now return to the Transformers. Welcome back. The issue we will be covering today is Transformers issue number two. And here is John with the cover description. Thank you, Delvin. Transformers number two has a cover that the first thing you notice about it is it's pretty yellow. It has on the top of it number two in a four issue limited series has the Transformers logo. And underneath it informs us that Optimus Prime versus Megatron occurs in this issue, or at least on this cover. As right below it, you see Megatron facing the camera, blasting forward with his fusion cannon. In his left hand, he holds Sparkplug Witwicky. The energy from the fusion cannon is hitting Optimus Prime. Prime full on in the chest, who is falling towards us. He has definitely taken a wallop from it. Megatron's left foot is squishing Bumblebee, who looks almost comically upset by this as Buster Witwicky looks on at what's going on from below. Up in the left is the little box with the character that they did, and this one is Megatron. It also shows us that this thing cost 75 cents back in the day, or 50p if you were in the UK, or a dollar if you were unlucky enough to live in Canada. Four sons the, of <laughs> the entire battle is taking place on top of a junkyard and in the background of it you can see um, S. Witwicky auto repair. Mostly visible, partly covered up by Megatron's leg. So, John, what'd you like about it? What'd you not like about it? Can I start with the second question first? Because that's bigger. I don't like this cover. It really seems, I don't like to use the word lazy to describe it, but it kind of is. The drawing is almost cartoonish in Bumblebee and is inconsistent with how the other robots are, are depicted. Megatron's uh, mouth is open with a ah. Look. He's got the same. He's uh, got the uh, same mouth as Bumblebee, kind of. Yeah, they've got open. <laughs> Optimus Prime may, may also, but he's got the faceplate, so we'll never know. It was an ambitious-looking cover. It should have been a cool cover because it is talking about Optimus Prime versus Megatron, which happens not as often as you would think in this comic. This is their first fight, and this is one of their better ones. But on the cover, I did not enjoy it all that much. Okay. Did not enjoy it all that much. Pat? I somewhat agree with... Jonathan, it is compared to the first issue. Man, that cover was pretty decent. This one is kind of lackluster, I should say. And maybe it's the yellow that they're using. 
in the full background. I think maybe they could have used something else to make Optimus and Megatron pop a little bit more in the cover. Took me a while to figure out where they were in the background, uh, the junkyard. Then I saw the the wiki sign. And I'm like, okay, I think I know, you know, what's kind of going on here. But other than that, it's okay cover. That's all I got to say. That. Wiki looks a little different to me as well, too. I'm a little confused on him. How about you, Delvin? One thing that I am learning to love about this show is that there are three very different opinions. <laughs> and seriously, it is a great thing because sometimes you can get caught in everyone just saying, yes, I agree. And then the next person, I totally agree. And the other person, I, I, I agree with that. And so I'll tell you what, I love this cover. <laughs> I kind of thought you would. I'll tell you why. I am going to put on a slight Jared hat a little bit just from artist by osmosis here. And the reason that you have that yellow background is, I mean, one, of course, it is going to spotlight the, the characters that are in the forefront of it. And it also shows the power of Megatron's fusion cannon. So I think that's cool. And then it's blasting Optimus Prime, which is like, man, OK, they are in a serious fight. Two big main characters, Optimus Prime and Megatron, the two big biggest characters of the whole book, they're fighting each other. So it's already given the feel that this book is going to be no holds barred. And the yellow also in the background, it mutes everything but what's important about the cover. And by extension, you see Megatron, you see Optimus, but you also see Sparkplug and you see Buster. And just enough of Bumblebee has turned a different color that you notice that he might have something to do with the whole thing, too. So I thought that it, after reading the book especially, it was a pretty accurate depiction of what's going to happen in the book. So all of that tied together that, you know, it shows Megatron blasting the fusion cannon, which was really cool. It was a, you know, the second Transformers issue ever. And it uh, advertising Optimus Prime versus Megatron. They put them right on the front and they're promising that they're going to fight and they did deliver with it. I absolutely I, mm -hmm. I love it. I absolutely yes. love it. The other thing about the yellow, if I can borrow Jared's hat for me for a second. Sure. Here you go. Actually, I learned most of the, what I know about artistic stuff by listening to Jared. Don't tell him I said that or record this and put it out on a podcast or anything. But a big reason, and you, you kind of alluded to it by mentioning that Bumblebee's arm is a different color. His arm is shown blue. Uh, the yellow background was very common during like the Fantastic Four because they had blue uniforms, so you couldn't show a blue sky. You wouldn't be able to offset the uniforms with this. Since Optimus Prime is primarily blue, and they've shaded Megatron blue, making the background yellow allows him to show up. They had to make Bumblebee's arm blue, because I imagine the colorist, when initially drawing it orange, it just didn't show up. But you are spot on about the fact that this cover does advertise something that pretty much happens in the in the issue and i will mm -hmm. allow for any artistic license about you know it making it look more uh, grandiose than it actually is because that's what covers are for pat you got anything else man no, no i think you guys said enough let's rate the cover for those of you who are new to the show which is dang near everybody welcome we here at transformer chronicles rate stuff on a scale of one to ten just like the tech specs of the transformers toys one being the lowest and ten being the highest I'm going to start, and I don't know if I should since I'm, I'm going to like set the bar very high here. 
I'm giving this cover a 10. Ooh. Oh, that's pretty high. It's about as high as it can get. And the main criteria that I'm using for this was everything that I mentioned before is would I put this on my wall? And the answer is absolutely. I would put this on my wall. John, what do you got? Well, that beats my four. <laughs> but no, I mean, especially compared to other ones that are in even this four issue miniseries, Paddlewood of the first one, the next two are rather interesting. This one, despite what it promises and delivers on, it's just too jarring to me, and I don't like a lot of things. Bumblebee looks too cartoonish. Sparkplug doesn't, or barely looks like he's being held by Megatron. Those things just bug me to the point that I can't rate it high. Okay, Pat? I am going to go just a little bit higher than Jonathan on this. I'm going to give it a five in my middle road here. You know, I'm going to say it's an okay cover. It got by. I don't know what the other ones look like. I may have seen them, but it doesn't, none of them ring a bell and I didn't look ahead yet. So right now out of the two, eh, I like the first one a lot better. This one's my middle road and we'll go from here. We will go from there. And I'm hoping, you know, that your reading of the credits I'm going to rate those higher than what you rated the cover. Oh, well, of course. I, I'm always, I always enjoy doing the credits. You are up, sir. Please give us the credits for the issue. All right. Well, here's the credits for this issue. Uh, and we're going to give some credit love to Mike's Amazing World for being so awesome and great and stuff like that. So this title is Transformers number two. Title of the story is Power Play. Publisher is Marvel, of course. Got a cover date of November 1984. Wow. On sale date was July 31st, 1984. It was a hot summer that year. I remember that. <laughs> they gave it to you. I think it was, a bu- yeah. it was a buck 50 for three. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's not bad. That's what it, I mean, that's what it was. I know that 75 times three. Is a- <laughs> uh, well, let's get on more with the credits here. We got a plotter of Bill Matlo. Mant- Mantelo or Mantelo, right? Let's go with Mantelo. You're good. All right. Uh, scripter is Jim Sala. Croup. <laughs> the dog agrees with you. <laughs> is it Jim Salakrup? I think Salakrup. Salakrup. Okay. Penciler is Frank Springer. That's an easy one. Inker Kim D. DeMulder. DeMulder. Kim DeMulder. Litterer is Janice Chang. Yes. Yes. Woo. Colorist Nelson Yomoto. Yomotiv. Yamtov. Yamtov. Okay. Two See, syllables. I'm bad. Yamtov. 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 Okay. Colorist is Nelson Yamtov. Editor is Bob Budiansky. Bob Budiansky. The cover art was done by Michael Golan. So that was a Michael Golan cover. I've heard of him. Mm-hmm. You've heard of him, and you're clearly not a fan since you well, rated it. So. Hey. <laughs> just, just, you can hear people's names. I'm not saying I'm not a fan. Don't. I didn't make it a four. I didn't make it a four, Like, but I didn't go a 10 like you. So anyway, let's continue on here. So, Devlin. We probably should. Thank you so much for that awesome read. Thank you, Pat. You're welcome. Since Pat and John did such a great job of describing the cover and credits, let me give a brief synopsis of what this issue is about. I'm going to do this all in one breath. <sighs> I'm not going to do this all in one breath. I was kidding. <laughs> synopsis. It is a world transformed, where things are not what they seem. It is the world of the The 
issue opens with Megatron and the Decepticons spying on a construction site of a nuclear power plant. Starscream demonstrates slightly that he is a member of the resistance within the Decepticons by passively aggressively suggesting an improvement to Megatron's plan of take the fuel from the small pink things by suggesting that Megatron sends in Buzzsaw as a scout. Megatron sees right through it and improves upon the improvement by sending in Ravage instead. The Metallic Panther records a helpful exposition worker and learns everything he needs to know about nuclear power, which he shares with the others upon his return. Megatron, after all this, goes with Plan A, and the Decepticons quickly and efficiently disassemble the plant and make off with its components. Back in town, Buster manages to convince his father to fix the injured Bumblebee, still in classic VW form, mostly so that Buster will shut up with the crazy talk about giant transforming robots. The repaired Bumblebee transforms to robot form, Sparkplugs handles this turn of events relatively calmly considering, agreeing to help them in letting Buster take off and Bumblebee back to a base of robots he just learned about minutes ago. Bumblebee and Buster encounter Jesse and O and also an unseen Ravage, who hears Buster helpfully provide him all the information he needs to take back to the Decepticons. Ravage is two for two. Back at the Ark, the Autobots argue about how to best respond. Hound receives a radio transmission sent by Bumblebee, who has returned to Sparkplug's garage after realizing he's lower on fuel than he thought. With the soon-to-be iconic call of Autobots, convert to Earth modes, let's move out. A large contingent of Autobots drive off to meet with Bumblebee and the humans. Within moments of the Autobots' arrival, the Decepticons attack. A fierce battle ensues with Prime and Megatron battling against each other, the outcome of the battle seems uncertain, but Starscream manages to capture the spark plug and fly away. Their objective complete, the Decepticons retreat. To make matters worse, the Autobots collapse after their battle, weakened by their lack of fuel. So let's talk about the book. Pat, you're up. Tell me what you think. I think you mentioned this in the synopsis that there is a lot of exposition in this one again, too. I was starting to read this and I'm like, man, this thing is real wordy again. Didn't know what I was getting myself into because there's a lot of the, oh, yes, so-and-so and yes, other transforming guy and, oh, I'm just going to do this. <laughs> and I like how, you know, I find out a little bit more on background of each kind of character that there is here and you get to know somewhat of what they're thinking. I like that with Starscream, you can tell that he's the manipulator he's going to try to get the power and he's got a mirror person on that the uh, pun intended in mirage mm -hmm. you know and mm. in finding that i'm like well gee i didn't know this guy's kind of like a traitor i don't know down the road is he will he be i'm kind of interested in, in that because he was the kind of guy that's like well eh, you know we'll see maybe i picked the wrong team maybe i didn't i can tell you that personally and i love for john to chime in on this too i think that mirage's deal more is I'm not really feeling this whole war thing. I would rather kind of be hanging out okay. and chilling and doing mm -hmm. anything else. I, I kind of, I was, my mindset was in the beginning it was that way. And then later on in the story, he says that a little bit himself when he, yeah, when he's fighting, he says that. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe it is a little bit this way too, but I'm still unsure. But he goes through a bit of a story arc in this four issue series. He's one of the focus characters. Oh, okay. Well, interesting. Very good. Then cool to know. Mm -hmm. I like the art of them transforming. 
I think that's really cool. How uh, you can see makes me wonder if the artist, when they had these, if they had the toys in front of them and would kind of put them in those positions, <laughs> so you can make, make sure that they draw it kind of right. I bet they had to at first. Yeah, until they figured out how to do it. Because the more I look at these transformers, I'm like, man, they are really drawing them like they were. You know, yeah. You know, I've seen newer Transformer issues and and that, and looking at them is like they don't look as like the toys did so much more. Now you got some curves and you got all kinds of things like that. But these original Transformers, you know, they're a little more boxier looking and, and that, and you can tell Bumblebee with his feet, the wheel wells, and all that. So I'm like, wow, they really got this down. But I really like the art when they're transforming, and and they do it several different times, especially with the jet planes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Seekers. The Seekers, they are called. You are correct, sir. They're Seekers? I didn't know what... That's the term on the... That's. I think it's a fan term. I don't even know if it's ever been used anywhere, but that's what Starscream and the other... And Skywarp and Thundercracker are referred to collectively. The Seekers? Yep. Oh. They call them the Seekers until the day they die. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a song. They call me the Seeker. Uh, that one's flying over my head. Yeah, I didn't know that one as well. I would otherwise I would have chimed right in. You stumped me, Dublin. You stumped me. Trust me, look it up. It'll be it'll be a great yeah. soundbite. Um, I do the best soundbites. Yes, you do. And speaking of the transformation, they use the same transformation in one kind of a bigger panel several pages down the road to do the same thing with the jets the two jets yeah i'm like oh man that's a cheap they're just using the same <laughs> the same three but, little you know, panels i mean but. i mean there are artist cheats right i mean yeah. if it's telling the same thing in a story i can i can forgive that especially since they are robots who would have to go through the exact same procedure in order to change from you know vehicle to robot mode yeah. that they yeah. all right i'll give you that that ah point taken the no prize is mine I star scream now rule the Decepticons. I'm kind of waiting for that point. Actually, I'm like, well, when's he gonna take over? When's he gonna get the gang back together or take over this this gang? Well, the the term wasn't used back in you know 1984, but Starscream is a classic hater. Mm -hmm. He never will be as powerful as Megatron, so he has to wait for an opportunity for Megatron to fail in order for him to maybe slide into a position of power that he probably never will fully deserve. And he's way more subtle about it in the comics than he is in the cartoon because in the cartoon i mean he's just loudly bellowing every time he gets that <laughs> yeah. he would he wants to be the leader and every time there's a Mi- megatron has a minor stumble it's like megatron is in the bathroom i star scream and now you're leader <laughs> okay it's back <laughs> oh megatron is back i am back in second in command <laughs> but for a moment but that's why i think you refer to him as a member of the resistance from within the decepticons a joke that will only be topical within 10 minutes of the airing of this episode no by the time this airs everyone will forget the joke what else do you got on this one um you know it was all right of a story as well too um you start to understand what fuels they need what energy they need both the sides to get working i guess live She'll just say, I'm kind of unsure with, with Wiki how he's like, 
well, you know, I don't know if I should fix which which, <laughs> which one, which wit wiki. Well, Buster a little <laughs> bit too. I was like, first he was all kind of like gung ho, and then then he kind of once the battle starts, he kind of he's kind of wimping out a little bit as well. Well, to be fair, there's a bunch of yeah. jets at bombing the junkyard <laughs> he's currently in. I'd be a little averse to rushing in gung ho myself. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this whole robot thing is kind of cool until they start shooting each other and you don't have a gun and yeah. you don't have a robot hide to protect yourself. And you're a small pink thing. Yeah. I do find it interesting that Senior Wiki, Sparkplug, seems to be a very knowledgeable person about mechanical things like such that uh, it was like, why are you just working on cars? It's, you sound, you know, if you can figure out how to make their fuel work for them. What are you doing in a garage? I'm not sure. Maybe that's all he ever wanted to be was a grease monkey. Remember the terrible advice that he gave Buster yeah, earlier. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> College is for losers, kid. You should go out and chase tail. I like the sound effects that they have for when Bumblebee transforms. He's got clack, click, clack, click, clack, click. Yeah. I'm looking at you know, I'm like, oh, I wish they could go whatever that sound is. My other question I have is when they transform like Ravage and the one, they all get smaller. How are they doing that? Oh, dear God. Do we want to do it? Okay. Should I go there? Should I not go there? It's the giant shrinking elephant in the room about them. It's not only the size difference, it's the mass. Well, even if like Ravage, for example, you know, where he transforms and jumps into a a convenient boombox or tape recorder, even if he could fold himself enough times to shrink down to that point, which is impossible, he would still weigh the same as a robot panther. So the second he jumped at the boombox, poor O would just be tipped over. I think that's one of the wink and the nods that you kind of have to have to give. Yeah. Because the alternative would be Ravage turning into a Panther-sized tape. <laughs> <laughs> and what the hell could he do? Go to like a missile silo or something? I mean, what you could do. So I like that, that the Jets stay where they are uh, size-wise and that they can be carriers for the smaller robots. Just a few more things. I really like the battle that went on. And then you get to see finally some some action between Optimus and Megatron with their fight. Um, at first, I thought he was going to get when um, Megatron first shot him like, oh, he's really going to shoot Optimus Prime right away. And then he, is he going to die? Is something going to happen to him? But then the battle r- rages on and they just start to throw car parts at each other. <laughs> I thought that was, was like a big pillow fight between the two with the pillows being uh, auto wreckage. Cars. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, you know, like I said, it's it's an interesting story. I'm looking forward to see how this little arc here plays out. I'm kind of interested on what they're going to do with, you know, when it says Spider-Man's going to be in here. Oh, the other thing is I like the nod that they had to Dazzler. It was on the the, the boombox. You know, back in the day, we had this boombox thing. Oh, where you would yeah. Put a, that was the lady who calls herself the Dazzler. Uh, the announcer says that. Why don't we find out, Jonathan, what your thoughts were on this issue? I like this issue a lot. Let me right away, the last one, focus more on the Autobots. This one gives you a bit right in the beginning that just shows you how much better at this the Decepticons are. They have no qualms about what the hell these pink things are. They figured out, or they seem to have figured out a little quicker that these are the actual life forms. Mm-hmm. And that's really good for us because we're giant and metal. And they just went and they figured out via Ravage, who has like the best day of any Decepticon in this issue. It's just mm-hmm. like wandering around. What luck, a tape. The thing I can turn into. And then jumps in, manages to record. I also... Are you giving away your hero of the day? (laughs) 
He's going to be my hero of the day. Spoiler alert. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I also just really got a kick out of the fact that not only does Ravage turn into a cassette and a, a life-size cassette, but a functional cassette. Mm-hmm. He can go in and record things on himself and then play them back. Does that mean he has little tape bits in him? Was the art that thorough? <laughs> I think, when I think it, he's like a, probably a modern MP3 player or something like that. That's the way I allow it. Yes. It, it looks I mean, like it's, it's a tape to fit. Maybe he's like one of those um, uh, ventriloquists or somebody like that that he can throw his voice and make it sound like. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You've got to give that four million year old satellite credit for going and scanning and being able to replicate a cassette tape directly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cassette tape isn't necessarily metal. It would have been funny if when Ravage uh, transformed into the tape and jumped into the, the, the guy's little bag full of tapes, if he then would have reached in and grabbed another tape. <laughs> he was like, curses! <laughs> then he would have had to send Buzzsaw in after all, and then Starscream <laughs> would have become the leader of the Decepticons. It would have been a way different story. Oh, what might but, have been? Pat, you called it uh, right earlier. The the descriptions, or the visual depictions, I should say, of the Decepticons transforming here, and the Autobots later, is that's how their toys would transform. Ravage in particular, that they close up, that's how you would turn Ravage into a tape. And the Jets and Soundwave folding his legs up like that Bumblebee even... Mm-hmm transforms in the right way off of the top of the hoist in the garage so just a lot of really cool attention to detail on that Mm -hmm. and i like decepticons just cleanly and efficiently taking out everybody tearing the place apart and walking off with it yeah there's like just chunks of (laughs) technology or whatever and i'm just gonna pick this up and we'll take it back and then we're gonna have a fort built in like an hour (laughs) how would you have liked to been one guy who's late to work you know who just shows up and is like what the hell happened here spark plug after seems rather nonplussed about the entire affair considering he's been up half the night fixing this this car then it turns into a robot and he's like oh all right, you're a robot. You want to take my son off to your base? Sure. This is not the father of the year we're talking about here. <laughs> that is true. Did you got any girl robots there for my boy? <laughs> <laughs> Even though it was done in that uh, exposition way that they have to do in comics with a bunch of robots saying their names out loud or speaking in the third person or calling each other, they still managed to get a little bit of um, character development on that. Some of them are a lot less keen, you know, on the whole idea like Mirage is having second thoughts. And he he was actually advocating just taking the dang fuel from him for a bit. Then they move on. The battle is pretty great, especially really early on in this. And the way it's it's shown and and when it's juxtaposed with the humans and the cars and you can see the difference in scale. Yeah, that was and you just really get an Yeah. And it's you just really get an idea about how how incredibly terrifying this would be. And the fight itself was pretty great. Good job, Optimus, leaving the important people to your needs in the hands of Bumblebee, who, you know, really can't do much of anything except get hit by Megatron. And pass out. He can also and pass, pass out. out. Yes, he can. <laughs> oh, <laughs> effectively, this issue is all about the Decepticons kick. Starscream gets spark plug and takes off and away we go. And Spider-Man's going to be in the next one. And that should be fun. How about you, Delvin? What'd you think of this one? Well, you guys may mention of Megatron and Optimus Prime throwing cars at each other. And I mean, I wouldn't take that too lightly. After all, they could be throwing each other's cousins, right? (laughs) (laughs) I've been holding that joke and I'm glad it delivered. I don't have many notes, but I'll do my best to uh, compliment uh, what you fine gentlemen have said. It was a 32 page read. 
Whereas the first book or first issue was 32 pages and somehow read like about 320. <laughs> I thought that this one flowed very well and it didn't feel like it was a, an extra length book at all. You know, that, that starts shooting my rating up there already. The characterization that would define the book for its entire run started showing. Starscream and Bumblebee in particular. Bumblebee kind of is, and they do the same thing in the movies, which I hate, um, but they did get Bumblebee correct when it came to, he's kind of that jack of all trades. He is the most friendly to human beings. Mm-hmm. And it's probably because he's a little bit smaller and less intimidating uh, than Optimus Prime will be, since Optimus is probably about twice his size. But they always make Bumblebee that guy who kind of is a Swiss Army knife, indispensable. He's the one that we are probably going to put in crazy situations uh, type thing. Bumblebee just seems to be uh, that guy. Oh, go ahead, John. Oh, just on that, if you want to be cynical about why, I mean, his function is espionage. So he's a spy. He he could always just be behaving that way because that's his job is to infiltrate himself into places. So he could be programmed, so to speak, in order to be friendly. I don't think that's cynical at all. I think that's very smart. I never thought of that. I like that. So I really had nothing bad to say about this book, considering the wealth of material that we had from issue one. It followed up on that. It added to it. And then it finished or it had a great battle and it finished with a, a very good cliffhanger. So I enjoyed the heck out of this book because I feel that it is at this point. All we know about Transformers is that this is issue two of a four issue limited series and issue two would definitely have me going back to the comic book store and looking for issue three. So does anyone else have anything that they want to add? No, you pretty much summed it up. Yeah, I, I think you got it right there, Delvin. It's definitely makes you interested on learning a little bit more for me, at least it's making me interested in learning more on what's going to happen next as the characters unfold and the, the action unfolds. Well, awesome. So now is the time for us to talk about the hero of the day, where we are going to each talk about the character in the book that we thought stood out the most. And yes, it can be a Decepticon 2. Let's not get too literal about the title of this segment. passing the baton off to John because John is going to tell us his hero of the day that he already spoiled. My hero of the day is Ravage. Ravage has the best day of any Decepticon. He <laughs> just to go out and man and winds up being by two people who, who are about to out loud explain literally everything he needs to do on his mission, which he then comes back and looks really great for Megatron. He unfortunately does get swatted away by Braun at one point because that's kind of what Braun's for, is to either swat things away or knock things down. But I'm not going to hold it against him. He had a pretty good day. He'll probably look back at this one fondly. Yeah, Ravage so is my hero of the day. When he's nesting inside of sound waves, you know, <laughs> and he's recording himself, he's like, Dear Diary. <laughs> Somebody needs so, to make that as a joke. Ravage Twitter. log number five. Ravage's diary. <laughs> Today was an awesome day. The boss gave Not me only- a thumbs up. <laughs> 
he ruffled my robot kitty feathers. So Ron's Pat, diary. <laughs> Today was cool. I swatted a cat. <laughs> First cat I got to swat all day. Star Screams Journal. Dear Diary, today will be a day celebrated as a holiday when I take over the Decepticons. It was my best day ever. I captured a human. The boss gave me a thumbs up. <laughs> give him a thumbs up. So, Pat, who's your hero of the day? Um, you know, I guess I didn't really think of it as looking at it on a Decepticon side, but... Jonathan does make some really good points there for Ravage. I'm going to go with, you know, a hero hero, I guess, instead of a, a villain side. I am going to go with, I think, Bumblebee, because I think he's, like you said, he's that in-between character where he's the one making that connection with the humans in that. So without him doing that, it would make a bigger difference, you know, them connecting with the Autobots. So I, I'm going to go with Bumblebee. Yeah, I thought that it was a pretty cool moment in the book where Bumblebee decided to start talking to the other humans. Mm -hmm. And it kind of brought into mind what John was mentioning about maybe that's just a part of his uh, espionage yeah. role to be engaging and friendly. And like, that, that was kind of a bold move. That he just, you know, went ahead and made that leap to talk to the rest of the humans. And maybe that was part of his personality. Maybe it was a part of his job. But it's definitely something that he leapt to do. And I, that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. How about you, Dylan? I went with the uh, bad guys uh, this issue, too. Uh, Starscream was my hero of the Ooh. day. Uh, <laughs> he already started planting the seeds, Stewie Griffin style, you know, for world domination. <laughs> He was the one who made the save for Megatron's plan in order to uh, capture Sparkplug as well. And it kind of added up to the big day for the Decepticons. Ravage certainly had his part to play in it. And the plan was kind of 50-50 where you had Sparkplug, excuse me, uh, Megatron. But yeah, that, that, that was mine. Uh, Starscream is my hero of the day. <laughs> If we're going to talk about heroes, then we should probably talk about zeros as well in our segment called Less Than Meets the Eye. But I am just a broken machine and I do things that don't really mean long So, Pat, who was less than meets the eye for you in this issue? That's a tough one for me on this one. I'm going to go with Buster. Uh, there's something about that kid. <laughs> Again? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's, I, I just less than meets the eye for me with Buster. He got to be kind of a little whiny. Maybe that's it. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, my entire life is collapsing around me, and I, there are explosions and giant robots everywhere. Uh, no, no. Wow. Well, like, suck it up, boys. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, know. you think you got problems? Oh, can't get laid. Yeah. What's wrong with, oh, oh he's, he's carrying around the boombox. He's walking with the girl, and he's still not getting any action. Yeah, I, I'm just going to go with him, less than meets the eye. I thought there'd be a little bit more for with Buster, but. I don't think Buster's going to do well by Pat through this entire series. <laughs> it's, it's like Buster. I don't like his face. <laughs> John, who do you got? My less than meets the eye would have to be. I usually wouldn't go here, but Optimus Prime gets it just from in comparison Ooh. to the other leader. Megatron today, who doesn't get more than meets the eye, but he, he could have been the secret one because, you know, behind the scenes thing. What Optimus Prime does is he gets a message from his lost Autobot who says he found a life form and they can make fuel for us. They had already spent the day previous learning about these things. And rather than responding, there's no way in hell that that guy could make fuel from us. We're robots. We can do it. Just have him bring some 
some over. Nope, we're all going to go to you. And then proceeds to do the plan of, you, Bumblebee, you're great at things, but you're not good in combat and weak. Guard them. (laughs) (laughs) And Megatron takes it. Well, that was easy. (laughs) In in fairness, Bumblebee really did put up a fight. No, Bumblebee did not put up a fight. (laughs) It was like, oh. Yeah, he got bombed on the head, (laughs) bonk. Give enough time for Megatron to give a speech and then hit him. <laughs> but yes, that is my choice. Is the great Optimus Prime, unfortunately. Hopefully will redeem himself in the next couple of issues. Poor leadership skills here. So I I relate most in my less than meets the eye with Pat because my less than meets the eye is it's oh. It's oh. <laughs> it's oh <laughs> yes. Because like I wanna know. Why was he not macking on Jesse? I, I mean, Buster's like, seriously, like, just hear, hear me out. You know, Buster's all like, oh, look, I'm going to chase robots. And it's like, Buster, if I were O, I'd have been like, Buster's crazy. He likes to play with alien robots. I'm a human. I'm right here. Love me, Jesse. Look at me. Note to uh, self. Maggie uh, and Delvin never <laughs> allowed. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, uh, I, I I wouldn't do it, but but oh, you guys are way too cruel to our buddies, the humans here. He had a grand chance, and he blew. <laughs> well, he was even a wimp. About uh, oh, was even a wimp. He's like, I'm on. Uh, I'm too scared here. Let's not get too any closer to what's going on. But see, he could have been like, you know, channeled his inner star strength. Yeah, he could have been. <laughs> That's true. When the giant robots attacked your town, Pat, I know you what were there at the front of it. Oh yeah, you know. But it. oh, you know, is a little bit more timid than you. I guess that's fair. Oh, could have channeled his inner star screaming like we, you know, we should stay away from that, and you can come closer to me. That could have been the spinoff, The Adventures of Owen Starscream. <laughs> <laughs> Two of them running around we, trying to get in Jesse's pants slash lead the Decepticons. That should have been a Transformers UK episode <laughs> or two. The Adventures of O. <laughs> yeah, what where he gets listen up, to goes to the diner, has a burger, goes home, yeah, plays video he, games. What does he listen to on the boombox? You know, uh, how you know how does he pine for Jesse? How much he really secretly hates Buster, but has to tolerate. <laughs> no, what he, no, what probably happened is he probably had a mixtape made in the boombox that he was going to say, hey, girl, come on, let's go for a walk and I'm going to play you my mixtape of love. And then next thing you know, it's some robot in there and it's not the right mixtape going on. Yeah. And he presses play and then he hears about like schematics from engineering and something. Like, what? What? what the, I didn't record. What? What is this? Well, what kind of. Boombox does he have anyway that like helpfully opens itself so that Ravage can hop into it? Probably like one of those nice ones where it would slowly go down, you know, instead of just yeah. pop out. You know, it had that it had that slow open. I, I like those. Those are really cool. You yeah, know, I, you, know I, you had I'll, a good boombox when it did that, when it slowly opened up I'll, to get the tape in there. I'll cop to being a kid and like my dad had this really expensive stereo and we had one of those slow like you press the button and it, the tape deck would come out slow I, I did that this is what we did for entertainment when yep. nowadays people have like computers and actual fun stuff to do we had sticks we had sticks and slow opening tape deck <laughs> <laughs> Now is the time for overall ratings for the book. 
I'll go first. Me, me. It's my turn. Me. Guys, I just felt very good about this issue. It gets a 10. Ooh, boy, Delvin. I'm blown away by that. Dude, so, and you know me, you've been with me now for a while. Mm -hmm. So if I'm giving this, you know, like the high ratings that I'm giving it, you know, I I have reasons for it. I I have my reasons. I, I was a big fan of everything about this book. You know, mainly, as I mentioned before, it advanced the action from issue one and there was an awesome cliffhanger at the end and the main driver of it like the art was the art was passable uh, but the, it was a story. The story was absolutely solid. And what is making me see here is this had to be the issue. And I don't know this, but this had to be the issue where Marvel was like, we've got something with this. We can develop this and turn this into something long term. I, I would I would bet money that this was the issue that they made the decision. They're going to turn this into an ongoing series. I have no no proof to it. I just kind of feel this way. I just think this is a very important issue. So for me, it gets a 10. John, what do you got? Nice. I very nearly gave it a 10. Uh, The only reason I can't is because there are a couple of issues that I will give a 10 to that are just a nose superior to this one. But I will give this a nine. This is a pretty solid nine. This is a very good comic book. It's a very good number two. Like you had said before, it seems like it's almost as wordy as the first one, but it or it looks like it is, but it doesn't seem that way. It's a much tighter story that still manages to throw exposition at you that you need and doesn't feel like it's out of place to do so. The artistic depiction of the robot's transformation is amazing, and the battle scenes are fluid and great, and the scale and speed that is shown and depicted is amazing. It's just if I wasn't sure that I was going to enjoy a comic book about giant transforming robots before I read this one, this pretty much would have solidified it for me. So this is a nine for me. What do you got, Pat? Well, I'm not going to be as high as you guys are. I'm going to give this a seven. Mm -hmm. Um, I do agree with Delvin on the story. It is what makes this book definitely the go through. The art was well done. I like the transformation. And I'm starting to really realize right now, as, as both of you were, were kind of talking, Jonathan kind of alluded to it, was the scale. I think I'm going to look at a little more of that for the next few issues as we go. And just looking at that scale from a human, you know, to a large mechanical mechs or whatever you want to call it, robots. So kind of looking how the, the art is done in that way to, to show that size difference there. So I give it a seven. I am interested and want to continue on reading some more. Nice. So I think we got some high marks all around and we are slowly getting Pat indoctrinated into the ways of yeah. Transformers. There, there is just a lot to learn. And that's one of the things that I find a little overwhelming right now in reading it. They make it easy. I mean, that's with all the exposition, but it still is for me a little bit more to take in. I'm finding my way through that right now. So maybe that's where I'm a little hesitant on, you know, giving it a little higher remark, but it'll come. And I think going through it with you, too, you guys are telling me things to come and your your excitement, your enjoyment, you know, like, oh, wait until you see this or wait, you know, that's what helps build this up for me as well, too. So, well, that's good. I'm glad it isn't as self-indulgent as I assumed it was, but I was going to keep doing it. But it's good that you like it. (laughs) You're piquing my interest more. And as I read through, I'm not catching on on something that you guys are, you know, you guys may know down the road. So I'm a big fan of having just that genuine affection and, and passion for, you know, for these type of things, because that's how you share it with people. Mm-hmm. So you're able to feed off of that, you know, from, from me and John. 
Uh, that's cool. And hopefully uh, we're helping everybody else out in podcast land regain a little bit of passion that they haven't had it already for Transformers. There's one thing that I got from the book that I wanted to add, and that was I, I smiled uh, because I remembered anytime that a Transformer talks, that they speak, there's like little like twinkle yeah, around from like I love that. Word, and they continued that for the entire run okay. where the human talk. It was a normal word bubble, but of an Autobot or Decepticon talk, it was that twinkle around the word bubble. And that was just like, I, I wonder who thought of that, because I thought that was just an excellent touch uh, to show that this was not just a normal voice. This was a robot's voice. Do you think that is that yeah, done and by they the were, letterer? Do you think? Uh, I don't know. I'm Because it was, uh, they also would, their word bubbles would be square and the humans would be round or roundish or rectangular just to really distinguish it but yeah it was just to do that i imagine the artist did it but it must have been mandated because they do the square ones and i think they eventually just go back to regular word bubbles but still with that little squiggle thing around it it's a really neat effect mm-hmm. yeah so if, if anybody out in, in podcast land listening to this knows the answer to that question please come back let us know uh with a comment we would love to know the answer to that i, I know i would yeah, me too does anyone else have anything else on the issue to talk about i think we covered it yeah i'm good if we're good if you're good let's go to a podcast break the transformers will return after these messages hi john hi maggie i'm still wrapping my brain around the fact that we're married (laughs) me too but i wouldn't have it any other way oh hey i was looking at these old comics and i noticed that there's all that thought why don't we talk about it on our podcast we have a podcast? It seems like the logical next step. We get married, we change our names, we combine our comic collections, we start a podcast about comic books. Well, I can't fault your logic, but there are plenty of podcasts out there already. Do you really think we'll have anything new and interesting to say? Oh, I think we'll manage. Welcome to the Married with Comics podcast, where we constantly f*** up. <laughs> it goes from Marvel Girl to Phoenix to Marvel Girl to Jean Grey to Phoenix to Dead. Um, <laughs> and then apparently he's so consumed with his own thoughts that he runs right past three monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> a brainwave camera took a picture of that guy's head. <laughs> a brainwave camera. Uh, and Ben's just basically, whatever you gotta do to stop the commies, Nick. So join us at the Married with Comics podcast, where two newlyweds with a love for comics intelligently, critically, and thoughtfully discuss comic books. Also listen as we goof around, make jokes, and make fun of John for mispronouncing names. I do that a lot. Sometimes we'll pick a topic and review and discuss comics that relate to the topic. And sometimes we'll pick up a comic and see what discussion topics come up. Sometimes we'll spend an entire episode talking about how much Maggie loves Batman. The only thing that's almost as strong as my love for you is my love for Batman. The Married with Comics podcast. Available directly on our site at marriedwcomics.libsyn.com, on iTunes, and wherever good podcasts are found. Also, check us out at Facebook at the Married with Comics podcast. We've got everything you need. We now return to the Transformers. We can and never will leave you without John's segment of the show called Transformer Spotlight, where he discusses a particular Transformer at random for whatever reason he wants. John, take it away. Coincidentally, today's Transformer Spotlight is Ravage. 
Ravage was a Decepticon who transformed from robotic panther into a cassette tape. Here's what you found out about him when you bought his toy. His allegiance was Decepticon. His function is saboteur. His motto, today's Autobots are tomorrow's scrap metal. Ravage operates best alone, a creature of the night. Craftiest of all Decepticons, adept at devising deadly new strategies, remains aloof from others, but his deeds command their respect. Can virtually escape detection, emits electromagnetic emission shield, has a soundless walk, disappears in subdued light or shadow, carries two powerful heat-seeking missiles, because, of course, light-sensitive, can be blinded. His strength was five, his intelligence is eight, his speed is five, his endurance is six, his rank is seven, Courage, four. Firepower, six. And skill, seven. In the comics, Ravage makes the most of his relatively few appearances being Megatron's go-to robot for spying missions rather than sabotaged. He makes great use both of his stealth and the fact that there were a lot more cassette recorders in 1984 to transform into a tape and record pivotal information. He's also no slouch in combat, being a thorn in Mirage's side in the initial four-issue series, and also in a pretty awesome battle against the Autobot Skids in issue 20. The cartoon Ravage didn't talk, instead growling and hissing. He spoke for a while in the U.S. and U.K. comics, but eventually was depicted more like he was in the cartoon and was silent and hissing. Last thing is that Ravage was sold in a two-pack with another Decepticon cassette, Rumble. They were available in my hometown's local hardware store for $5, but my dad wouldn't let me buy them, which occasionally embitters me even to this day. And that's what I have to say about Rabbit. Now it's time for social media likes and shares where we heap praise upon the audience for listening to us. We do really appreciate all the likes and shares and retweets that we got for this first episode. We are totally surprised and just... (laughs) yeah overwhelmed by the love that you guys have shown us so it's so cool you guys you like us (laughs) yeah it was freaking great thank y'all so much completely exceeded our expectations really awesome yeah i mean we were gonna do it no matter if there were only like six of you because we like to hear ourselves talk but it's really cool that so many people uh want to apparently hear us too so yeah i thought it was just more than us three that were gonna like it so very very cool and uh, we do appreciate it from deeply in our hearts so in order for us to show our love to you we are going to read your name off for those that liked, shared, and retweeted. We're going to start off with Aaron Head Moss. Aaron Henley. Al Sedano. Thanks, Al. Austin Kuykendall. We got Bill Bear. Thanks, Bill. Next up, we have Bob Buster at Bob Buster 3. Thanks, Bob. And next is Chris at B2O and Bat Books. Let it roll. I'll take Jason's place. All right. Down the highways. Roll, roll, roll. I've always wanted to do that. (laughs) All right. Then we have Christopher Owlet. I think it's Willet. I would guess Owlet. Okay. Clinton Robinson. Thanks, Clinton. And Clinton runs Coffee and Comics, and they also send us a like or share. So thanks for that. And next we have Comics in the Golden Age at Comics in the GA. Cubs CJ45. Thanks. Cubs fan 45. Up next, David Collins at Old Ben 1. Thanks, Dave. I'm going to have to learn how to pronounce this name. I'm going to have to ask him because we're on the same fitness page together. It's Debeish. 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 Dr. Strange. Doc Strange. Billy D. Delicious. <laughs> I like that. 
I love it. That's my favorite one so far. But now my favorite one is Douglas Heidzig. Beat that. You did a great job. Next, we have Drew at Necrodancer 669. That's what a Necrodancer would do, right? Next is Final Fight Guy. This is the guy you want when you're in a final fight. Up next is G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. I hear they have really cool guests. I heard they're okay. Next, we have Gene Hendricks. Thanks, Gene. Then we have Jerry Green. Thanks, Jerry. Ghosts of the Stratosphere at G-O-T-S Stratosphere. Next up, we have Green Lantern HG in Brightest Day and Darkest Night. Thanks, Green. Hell Jordan. Speaking of a Green Lantern. Head Speaks. I hear he also has good guests, whoever he is. He's not as good as the G.I. Joe Real American Head cast guy, but he's close. He probably should be. He should strive for that. <laughs> Next, we have Hicks is my usual name. He used to be Les Sock Paramecium's at Reading Hicks. That's our good buddy, Paul Hicks. Thanks, Paul. We have J. David Weeder. Thanks, Dave. Oh, then there's this guy, Jared Albright, the yard sale artist, trademark yard sale artist. Also on Facebook at Yard Sale Artist. Also on Instagram at Yard Sale. I'm, I'm used to hearing this. Like, I, I kind of replay it back in my head like rabbit. Also, we'll stand outside your house holding up a sign that says at Yard Sale Artist. Moving on, we have the brother, the older brother of uh, Jared Albrecht, Jason Albrecht. He does a very mean uh, Sean Connor impersonation, if you haven't heard. Then again, so does Jared. <laughs> James Murray. Thanks, James. James is awesome. Yeah, we got to hang with him. Up next is Jeffrey Brown. Forgive me for the pronunciation, Joel Costa. Then we have Joe Thomas. Thanks, Joe. Joe T. Joe T in the house. Up next is John Oliver. No kidding. I'm a big fan of your show on HBO, <laughs> sir, and really liked you on The Daily Show. That's great. Next up, we have Ken Barr Jr. Then we have Laurel at Mountain Flower. Another person we got to hang with at HeroesCon. Thanks, Laura. Lost in Time at Lost in Time 74. I hope you get where or whenever you're trying to get to. Next up, we have Rico Suave himself, yes. M. Anthony Gerardo. Rico. <laughs> Jonathan's better half, Maggie Schaefer Haynes, the beer refresher. No argument here. Haynes. <laughs> and we also got Matt Anderson. Thanks for stopping by, Matt. Mike Holmes, elementary, my dear Mike. He is my friend from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He is a Transformers fan of the old school. Awesome. Cool. Speaking of another Mike, we have somebody who's very proud. It's Mike Peacock. And then Nate Niles at Pixel Artist 95. Neil Layton. Thanks, Neil. Then we had Nick at Tinfoil Hatnick. Robert Myers. Thanks, Robert. Then we got our friend, the often imitated and always duplicated Ross Michaud. We know who you are, Ross. Up next is my nerd crush, Ryan Daly. Ooh, that sounds Hello, Ryan. <laughs> next up, we have Secret Wars and Beyond podcast at Sean42AZ. Thank you, Secret Wars. Then we have Shag Matthews. Thanks, Shag. The Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour also popped by. Superhero Fix at Superhero Fix. Task Force X podcast. Thanks, Aaron. And the Headcast Network. Also, Aaron. Hello, Aaron. And... The Married with Comics podcast with those guys are awesome. With Jonathan and Maggie Schaefer Hames. That is us. We are the Schaefer Hameses. I am John. She is Maggie. Oh, I had that confused. I thought I was talking to the you know what? Let's keep going. <laughs> 
Then we have Tim Price, our friend Tim from Heroes Con as well. Very cool guy. <laughs> Wait, what? As the anti-fascist. <laughs> and last, uh, but certainly not least, we have Wendy Freeman. G- guys, as you can tell, I mean, this is from the first freaking podcast. Like, that was a whole lot of likes and shares. Goodness gracious, just the number that alone, we are so grateful for the likes and shares, and we can only hope that it, it continues to grow in the future. Please tell somebody about us. Uh, <laughs> we are going to move on and take a few uh, select comments from the listeners. Pat, what do you got? All right. I'm going to take one from uh, Laurel Mountainflower, and Laurel says, read these comics as classic trades through the library a few years ago. Unfortunately, they're not available anymore, but I look forward to following along through this enjoyable podcast. Plus, anyone playing Peter Cetera is okay with me. We are definitely going to fight for your honor, Laurel. <laughs> we'll be the heroes you're thinking of. You're the reason in our lives, Laurel. <laughs> you're the inspiration. When at 50624. <laughs> <laughs> Who's next? Uh, that's that's me. John with his awesome scene. Jared Albright, the yard sale artist, said he likes most of what you have going on here. <laughs> most of it. I assume he likes me and not you guys. Sorry, guys. You know, I mean, I don't think mathematically that's most of us, John. Oh, that's about half. Oh, wait. Well, sorry, Pat. (laughs) Aaron Henley said any podcast that starts with till all our one immediately gets my five star review. So I did something right for this podcast by digging that one up. Paul Hicks. He says there's too much focus on Transformers. (laughs) I'm sorry to disappoint you, Paul, but uh, this might not be the podcast for you. Um, We might recommend not Transformers podcasts. All right, and I'm just going to finish it up with one from Clinton Robinson. And Clinton (laughs) says, my favorite part is where Pat read the issue. What? Oh. (laughs) Thanks for playing along with us, Curtin. Appreciate it. We will move on. We got a couple of emails from listeners, uh, and I will take uh, the first one from Aaron Henley. Uh, Aaron says, so I just boot up the episode after seeing a post by Jay David. You can call me Dave. Weeder. Since I'm a huge Transformers fan, two seconds in, and there's what should have been the theme for the first Michael Bay movie and not Linkin Park. Now I'm listening to the actual episode and we'll have more thoughts later, but you already got me hooked and will be eagerly looking forward to more episodes. P.S. Michael Bailey is responsible for 90% of the geek culture podcast out there in some way, shape, or form. He truly earned the nickname, The Godfather. Uh, So, guys, I'm kind of new to the podcasting scene. New-ish, anyway. Tell me about Michael Bailey real quick. I think he was mentioning it because I had pointed out in the first episode that it was Michael Bailey had pointed out once that nobody had... No one was doing this sort of podcast, and it got in my head. Michael Bailey is a—he uh, is a rather prolific podcaster. Uh, he's a very huge fan of Superman, as well as several other characters. His, he does uh, from Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast with Jeffrey Taylor. He's got another one called It All Comes Back to Superman. He does a bunch of other appearances on various uh, other places. He's very knowledgeable. He's smart. He's funny. If you like anything along the lines of superhero and especially Superman comics, just uh, look him up and check him out. You listen to any of his stuff, Pat? Oh, yeah, I listen to it all. So he is, uh, I think you covered it very well there. He is the godfather of podcasting, Mm -hmm. at least in my mind. And it seems like we're not the only ones that think it. So uh, 
Yeah, enough that they'll mention him even on a podcast he's not on. Jeez, guys. <laughs> see, yeah, see? Why don't you tell us how we're cool? So who's reading the next email? Well, the next one is uh, from Aaron Head Moss, sending out a slew of emails tonight. So I figured I'd email you guys about your first Transformers issue. Loved it. I think you guys did a great job. Looking forward to listening to more. I didn't start buying Transformers until later in the run. I came over with the Headmasters. So it was like the late 30s, I think. I think he's probably right. Uh, but I did end up tracking down the earlier issues and buying them. Before I found the comic, I watched the TV show and loved it. So listening to you guys talk about it was a blast. In fact, I thought about it in the future when I had some time of starting a Transformers podcast. Yes, I was thinking of calling it Transform and Roll Out, a Transformers podcast. But since you guys have done it, I won't need to now. One last podcast to worry about. Anyways, uh, keep up the great work, and I am waiting by my phone for a call to guest host for an episode. Till all are one. Thanks for that, Aaron. Yeah, Aaron's been bugging me to be a guest host on this show since before we recorded. So That's a heck of a fan, and we got to have some guest hosts on at some time. Maybe we should, you know, draw, like, anybody who offers or wants to join, like, we should just draw a name from a hat or something. Well, Aaron's podcast has several of them. For other Hasbro-related products, he does do the uh, G.I. Joe uh, Real American headcast where he covers G.I. Joe like we're doing Transformers, and he does the cartoons as well. He occasionally has good guests and pats there, too. Sometimes I show up. I've never been on Head Show. At least not yet, anyway. Well, that's that, mean. That, that, I take that back everything I said about him. He's mean even when on you you on his show. Well, I, I didn't say he he did. Like, I, there's not a no Delvins allowed. I don't, I don't think. <laughs> oh. Well, when you get me all riled up against my friend Aaron Delvin, crying a lot. I'm not talking to him. I think you kind of did that on your own, buddy. Um, maybe that was your inner star scream coming out there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think those are the two emails we got. And just once again, I wanted to pass on just a completely humbled mm -hmm. and yes. amazed and, and awesome thank you uh, to everybody who listened in uh, to that uh, pilot episode. And I hope just as many or more listen uh, to this one. And just we are looking for all sorts of comments or, or feedback. And just please, more of that. Like, I think that, that we should talk about that a little bit more. Pat, say something nice. I'm humbled and appreciate all the feedback that we got. Um, I think if you want to leave us some more feedback, please go ahead. And that can be done at contact at longboxcrusade.com. Otherwise, you can also leave a comment on the Facebook or Twitter page as well. Definitely really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. John, say I, something uh, nice also. I knew you guys would love us, and I'm really glad you did. In all in honesty, you guys, it was overwhelming and great, and I am really, really thrilled that anybody would want to listen to us talk about this stuff, so I hope you stick around. <laughs> And that's the show. But before we go, I guess I should probably ask everybody where the heck they can be found out in the social media land so you can come and network with us. Pat, please tell us where you can be found. Well, thanks, Delvin. I can be found on the Twitter at Christatos01. Also on at Longbox Crusade. You can find me there as well, where we have our podcast of Longbox Crusade and Crusader Chronicles, where we're chronicling through my comic collection. And you can also find us on Saturday Matinee Theater, a podcast where we are going through some earlier black and white television series. Right now, we're covering 
the Sherlock Holmes of 1954 and having a great time doing it. Jonathan, where can they find you? I do a podcast with my wife called Married with Comics. You can look for that on any podcatcher. Our Facebook page is The Married with Comics Podcast. If you want to like us there and leave a comment or two or on Twitter, we are MWC underscore podcast. Uh, we love comments. One or the other of us will always respond. And if it's her, it'll be funny. It's good to know that the fun stuff is coming from Maggie. Oh. <laughs> Delvin, where does one find you besides here? Uh, besides here, one can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. By all means, chat me up about Transformers or if you uh, mention anything about on Longbox Crusade or specifically about the Transformers uh, Crusade podcast, I'll probably be one of the first people to uh, chat about it because I'm on Twitter all day and I don't actually work at work. Don't tell my boss. <laughs> uh, that's where you can find me. So please come back and join us for the next episode where we discuss Transformers issue three with the usual cast of cronies and oh yeah Spider-Man is going to be there what what yeah (laughs) till then see you next time and remember freedom is the right of all sentient beings till all are one I still don't know what that means Pat you got the touch you got the power and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. We make no money on this podcast and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Just what it takes, you're a fighter.